Hello, and welcome to Building Community with Whitney and Anu. We are two Asian American millennials who aim to empower our communities through our stories and words, one cup of tea at a time. episode of Building Community. Today is October 11, which marks the 32nd annual National Coming Out Day. For people who don't know what National Coming Out Day is, it is an annual LGBTQIA plus awareness day to support those who are not yet out to others in their life. Originally grounded in the feminist and gay liberation idea that the personal is political, they felt that to live openly as a member of the LGBTQIA community is a powerful form of activism under the thought that if anyone knows they have loved ones who are part of the community, they are less likely to be homophobic or oppressive. National Coming Out Day is observed around the world annually to celebrate LGBTQIA community as a whole. Today, we have some fabulous guests from a variety of backgrounds to talk about our various experiences coming out to ourselves and others, as well as how we feel about the phenomenon that is National Coming Out today. I'm really excited to jump into our discussion today, so allow Anu and I to introduce our panel of guests who I'm absolutely honored to call friends. Thank you so much for coming out to talk to us today. First off, we have Julie Fivash. Julie Fivash is a queer non-binary grad student by day and comic peddler by night. Originally from Arizona, they currently live in Los Angeles. They've been making zines about plants, anxiety, and multiracial awkwardness since 2010. Follow them on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Julie, that's J-O-O-L-I-E, and then Fibash. Next, we have Danny, a 47-year-old woman who believes that love is love and any kind of love should be cherished. She is an IT professional, a language teacher, and moderator of some Discord channels and games. Originally from Brazil, she now resides in Los Angeles. Next up, we have Michelle Forbes, a 51-year-old bisexual, gender-fluid, non-binary, transgender woman and U.S. Coast Guard veteran. She's lived in Los Angeles for about six and a half years. Prior to Los Angeles, Michelle has lived in different parts of the United States and is originally born in Panama. Michelle keeps busy as a computer programmer and student at Antioch University, pursuing a new career in public policy research. Next, we have Sen Mendez. Sen Mendez, also known as Queen Sen. Sen is a non-binary fat artist born and raised in Oakland, California. Currently teaching Oakland youth, Sen honors the ways art can be used to teach Oakland youth their voice using visual storytelling. Queen Sen creates images of historical ancestors, celebrations of large bodies, and visual storytelling as a way to dismantle systematic oppression among indigenous, black, fat, and transgender bodies. Sen built their own art business, sharing their journey using relief printing as a form of therapy to cope with CPTSD and depression. Included in the 2019 Queer Ancestor Project visual exhibition, Sen displayed their new prints where they have been challenged to create images of visual storytelling, new carving techniques, and express their body taking up space using visual relief prints. Queen Sen has provided visual workshops for organizations such as Wellness in Action, Peacock Rebellion, and large companies such as Facebook. 
you can find their online store at artbysen.bigcartel.com and Instagram at senecreatesart. And last but not least, we have Allie. Allie is a 51-year-old mother and educator of 31 years. Her interests include yoga, hiking, and traveling. Excellent. So today is National Coming Out Day, and it's been seen today as a holiday of some sort, but it also has this really heavily political history. So I just want to bring out to the panel, how do we feel about National Coming Out Day and everything that comes along with it? I know for me, it I think I cared about it a lot when I was a lot younger, when I first came out. And I liked the idea that if you just come out and you live openly, then people will learn to accept you and learn to accept the community a little bit more. But now as I've grown older and have learned about some of the harsher realities of that, I feel a little bit differently. But how do how do y'all feel about it? Yeah, I'm kind of like glad there's a national coming out day. I think like it's kind of pretty trendy. I appreciate it. I think like when I first came out, I was youngest, 13 years old. I'm 25 now. I think that was helpful for me to kind of find the courage and understand that it like where my gender identity and sexual orientation kind of was placed in the spectrum. I like to say that like I I love celebrating it because I like to say that like I have various coming out. I don't necessarily do like a big dinner celebration, but I appreciate the gesture of like we are here, we always always existed and will stay continue to exist. Definitely. And it almost feels like we're part of this kind of intergenerational movement because National Coming Out Day is still so relevant. What do other folks think? This is very interesting to me because I uh, I came out in Brazil in the 90s. So there was obviously not a National Coming Out Day. It was more of, you know, you just decide one day that you're going to tell everybody that matters and then uh, go from there. But having a day that celebrates, you know, the, the, it's such an important moment for us. It's the moment that you transition from everything that goes in your mind that you think it's, you know, why am I feeling this way? Why am I different? Is this, you know, who I am? And then eventually you make peace with that. And you're like, it is. So let's just live this. And and having a day that celebrates that, it, it's very interesting. I, I I actually I never thought about what the national coming out day was until you know you asked me to you know elaborate on that. And I think it I think it's awesome. And but you're right. You know I came out in the 90s. Things were different. And nowadays I see people that I care. They're in their 20s, and they have an attitude that I don't have anymore. Which is you know. I'm I'm out there. I want to show everybody. I want to just live this. And yes, there are the harsh moments of you know having to deal with that. And sometimes in my 40s now, I think I want to be safe first, and then I want to be out. So that's my conflict now. That's definitely valid. Yeah, I think it's really. I mean, for me, you know, with the high school in like 2000, like five to 2009, um, I feel like we had people that. Made a big deal about this, but I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm by, and I was just like, does this apply to me? <laughs> I was like, I don't know if this is a thing that I need to like be very loud about. And I, I felt that way for a long time about a lot of the like visibility days, uh, where I was like, do, do I need to be loud about it? Do I need to be 
like, I feel like so many other people were saying so much more relevant things. So it was just like, how important is it for me to say anything about it? And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. But also for me, it was a lot of like hiding in the background. I'm sure <laughs> if this was a thing that applied to me. Yeah, and I guess I yeah for for like for me like it wasn't ever it was never ever a thing where like I felt you know scared for my safety or anything like that. Uh, I definitely had people in high school that were terrible, but they weren't. I, it wasn't like a I don't think I'm gonna get my ass beat for this sort of feeling. It was just more of a like I don't feel like I like fit the qualities of being someone that needs to like be really vocal about this. I feel differently about it now, but yeah, at the time it was just sort of like. Uh, I don't don't know. Definitely. I absolutely resonate with um, high school trauma. And um, just like, I I grew up in a really small town. And so our school had a lot of homophobic kind of football players, kind of like the stereotypical kind of players. And um, I didn't want to be out. Like I knew I was different, but I wasn't really sure how I felt about things. And so I was like... I guess I'll keep this to myself. But the second I graduated, I was like, okay, it's time to sort this out. So maybe that just kind of happened. And then I started my journey from there. Can anyone else resonate with that or have another opinion on um, what coming out day means to them? Having a coming out day, I don't know so much that it's an encouragement to come out as a way to honor those who have and to say to those who can't yet, we're ready for you when you can. This is my first coming out day. I am coming out during a pandemic. Basically, March, I went, I sort of finalized a lot of clarity in my own life and in my own process. In doing so, it brought to me a sense of needing to be totally authentic in everything I do. Politically, I understand that point too. I went to a very liberal college. And at that liberal college, they encouraged people with differences to discuss it with children. It was a early childhood education program. So talking, discussing with children, um, the ideas of different family structures of two moms or two dads or various other systems, aunts, uncles, different ways of raising children in ways that would include children that had different family structures. And doing that would promote tolerance. When I would hear this, sometimes I, it, would, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way that we would discuss some of these issues at that time. And I, I was just so far in the closet and so far in my understanding that I was like, why? Why do we want to talk with this? Talk about this with anybody? I don't want to talk about this with anybody. No, I don't want to acknowledge anything about my life. Please, let's not talk about this. And so I, I basically had to acknowledge a lot of my own homophobic fear and a lot of my own homophobic issues through all of this. And it's taken me this long because I'm talking about when I was 21. This is 30 years ago. And now, I'm just being able to deal with my own identity. And I think it's really important. I wish there were, had, I had been able to see um, what I see the younger generation enjoying. It would have really been good for me as a young teen to see um, women of different femininity 
as I'm very feminine and the stereotype at the time in the eighties was very, you know, if you were gay, you were very butch and it's like almost the only option. And it's like, that's the only option. There are so many people and so many different, um, being your gender identity is different than your sexual identity. And they're not the same. They're not inclusive one of the other. And, and it was very confusing for me and it's taken me all this time to get to it. So I'm glad that I'm finally in my authenticity and I'm hoping that what this does is help other people find theirs. If I can speak out and that helps other people get to it sooner than I did, that is the biggest gift I could give to someone else. I, I just resonate with everyone, what everyone shared. I guess I didn't go into much detail. Uh, but I, I'm a child of an immigrant, <laughs> and so first generation in America, uh, being the first person in my family to be come out queer or any other outside of a heteronormative lifestyle, when I first came out, it was definitely hard for my mother and my family because they, they're just like, you're confused, you're confused. You know, they're very conservative, religious people from Central America. There's, there's, you know, queer trans people there, but they face a lot of, a lot more discrimination than, well, I guess it's the same now, you know, we, we're dealing with the same issues here too. But yeah, it was very confusing for me because, uh, I really appreciate you, Ali, naming the difference between gender identity and sexual orientation. I think that is something that I, when I, when I say that I've come out so many times, I came out through either through my sexual orientation or through my gender identity. So I feel like there's always this transformation that I've experienced in, in my small life uh, that has been transformational for me. And it's, it's definitely confusing <laughs> tough with my, my grandparent and my mother, but I try to explain to them every time. And it's a work in progress. I'm not like super upset if they misgender me and stuff because I understand. Um, but I can resonate with everyone, with what everyone shared. Great. Yeah. And touching upon what Sen said, our next question is just uh, exploring each one of your journeys and whether that's, you know, when you sort of found out that you might be leaning towards queer or whether that's when you came out to someone important in your life. Just how was that process like for you? And you, can you tell us more about your journey? This is Michelle. I like the question. I grew up thinking I was, uh, I didn't know the term at the time, but thinking I was a cisgender man, which is not true. My first clue that I might be queer was um, about a year after I broke up with a, a longstanding girlfriend. We were together for like five years. I was 22 years old. Yeah, and I found myself in a six-month six relationship with my first and so far only boyfriend. I didn't know I was trans until years later. When I was about 47, I started to feel, it was after the 2016 election, I started to feel more and more pressure, just internal, not from anybody else, to come out. I felt like I was leaving all of the, the fight for our survival in everybody else's hands and not taking any responsibility. When I started to look at coming out as bi, I had known since that first boyfriend that I'm bi. You know, that led to an exploration of gender, and when that when I discovered that I'm trans. So when I finally did come out, it took about a year, I guess, a year and a half, something like that. 
uh, and then came out to the world last year. It was as by and trans, and it's been it's been wonderful. I don't I don't feel like I'm constantly self censoring myself anymore because I'm not. I'm open to the world now. Thanks so much for sharing, Michelle. Yeah, I definitely resonate with being really liberated once you have come into your truth. And I think that's something that a lot of queer people, most queer people feel at some point in their life when they realize that they are indeed part of the community. I think for me growing up Japanese, it's very much like we didn't really talk about different identities. Like it was just kind of assumed that you would grow up heterosexual and you would like marry a... um a man within your race and you would have some kids and you would go to college and all of that. And for me, I realized that that wasn't, if I look back long enough, I realized that that was never going to be the case for me. Where for me, I was like, I would watch these movies. I would watch like Disney movies. I grew up in California. And so I, I had the typical childhood where you saw like the Disney gender roles and all that. But there's this one really unique kind of um, movie that I saw. And it's a version of Cinderella but it stars Brandy and it's the best Cinderella version ever. And um, the main heartthrob in that show is um, an Asian prince. And that was kind of the first representation of a really cool Asian person who was emotionally available and like was outspoken, but still kind of gentle. And I found myself wanting to be a prince character to find a princess. And so when I was younger, I was like, oh, I want to be a prince person. Like I want to this is how everyone feels. Everyone wants to be a prince and end up with Brandy. But then like, as I grew older, I was like, oh, not everyone feels that way. And so I was trying to figure that out. And growing up in a society where it's hard to, your feelings aren't validated. So you keep them to yourself. It's, it's really hard. And so you, um, when I finally came out to myself, I, it seemed like everything kind of fell into place after a while. I was like, oh, that thing and that thing and the thing with Cinderella and like all of that, like that all makes sense now. And like how I feel about Mulan and like how she like did all of the things in that movie and changed her or she like took on this different identity, but that's still her, like all that stuff. And it taught me about how you can be a multidimensional person and still be, still be you. Like I thought that I had to change myself completely to be accepted as queer, but that's, that couldn't be farther from the truth because we're all very different and we all come from different backgrounds and that's what makes the community so great. Hey, it's Donnie here. See, my journey was super easy when I think of it because I knew since I was very, 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 very young and that was basically just a matter of finding what was it that I was feeling that it was different. And then obviously, as you grow up a little bit, there is, you know, you trying to conform to what you're supposed to be. And then more and more, you just feel that you're just not that. I could never go and sit with the girls. I was always playing with the guys. I mean, I was always getting, I mean, I broke every single finger on my hands because I would not be, you know, sitting and chatting about whatever that was the subject. And it was easy because I've, I don't know if I got lucky because I hear that I hear a lot of stars that are not like mine, but everything was just perfect. I had a very supportive friends. I did not lose any friends in the process. I have a family that accepts me and it has been accepting me since, you know, I was very little because they noticed, of course they knew. I would not, my mom says that she, last time she put a dress on me, I was four years old. So it's not possible that they did not know. 
And everything was just, I did not have any kind of a struggle other than, you know, the normal we discussed the high school, uh, the harsh environment, you know, that we grow up. But as for me, as my own journey, it, it was okay. It was just a matter of loving somebody, but knowing that you cannot fall in love with that person as much as you tried very hard, which it would be one of my best friends, my male best friend. Now he's my brother. But it was like, oh my God, I really wanted to love this guy, but I just can't. So, and then it was like, okay, this is it. This is it. And let's not fight this. So that's how it was for me. I mean, I guess I can say that I, I got a little lucky on that. That's really awesome. Yeah. I, so, you know, being first generation living in Oakland, my mother actually had me enrolled in private Catholic school all my life. So I had the same classmates since the second grade all the way to 12th grade of high school. Um, and so I, I always knew that I was, you know, some sort of queer, gay, whatever, um, because I always felt very possessive over my feminine <laughs> my feminine friends. I was like, you know, like I, I it like it felt like a breakup every time we stopped being friends. So I realized like I got too emotional and um so when I came out at when I came out the first time in seventh grade, it was actually unintentional. I told my friends in compliance and uh they actually spread it around to everyone else that I went to school with and it, that's when a lot of the bullying started in my uh, youth time. And I was, you know, seen as conventionally unattractive because I was fat and brown. And um, and so, yeah, it was really hard for me, you know, especially going to school with the same people uh, every, you know, from seventh grade all the way to 12th grade. Everyone was kind of like very cautious of hanging out with me and the boys were just like, tell all the girls, all my girlfriends, like, hey, don't hang out with Sen. Sen has a crush on you. Sen wants to do this to you. And I'm like, y'all flatter yourself too much. You do not, you are not my type. Chill. Um, but it, it was definitely hard, maybe, uh, you know, going to school to a Catholic, going to a Catholic school, being one of the very few queer trans people there, and uh, just navigating everyone's else homophobia and transphobia. Um, it was like, because they couldn't accept it for themselves, they like made it a priority to torment me every day at school. So I don't really, to this day, I don't really connect with anyone. They try. I actually had to decline a reunion uh, for my with my peers, and I told them like I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, attend an event where people harmed me. That's a really clear boundary that it made. It took a few messages like that for them to stop. Um, but I, I wish I had a smoother, you know, transition with coming out and more accepting. But now I know that I have chosen family. I know who I am. I have community that loves me. And that's all that really matters to me now. You know, everything that I went through happened for a reason. And I think it only just made me really stronger. So that way I can show up for, you know, the trans kids now. They're really smarter than me. You know, I didn't have the language then. I didn't know I was trans. I just thought I was bisexual. And I liked, you know, cross-dressing. <laughs> I, 
now I know that I'm, you know, trans and non-binary and that I feel much more liberated in my body than I have in the past. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, school is hard. I, I feel like that's definitely something that a lot of folks have in common where school, like kids are awful. I resonate with that because I found that I felt like if I came out, then people would treat me differently as well because I present pretty femme most of the time. And so people, when they see me, they don't think that I'm a lesbian or they don't think that I'm part of the community. So they'll just kind of assume that I'm straight. I was really afraid that people would think of me a certain way. So I actually had to force myself or I didn't have to, I ended up forcing myself in these boxes where people would be like, Oh, do you like anyone? And I would like pretend to like people. And I'd be like, I don't know, like, I just kind of want to be friends with all these guys, but um, I don't really feel for them or anything. And so um, it was, it was hard kind of living that double life. I kind of felt like this queer secret agent almost. And um, I I also have declined my 10 year reunion. Um, It got canceled because of COVID. But we were going to meet at this brewery in uh, my hometown. And I was like, you know, I keep in touch with everyone I want to keep in touch with from high school, which is a whole like four or five people. And um, I'm satisfied with that. Like, I don't really have to see these people again. I'm really, uh, Anu and I created an episode on high school and that I touch more about my high school experience being queer in that episode. But I was like, you know, I had some teachers who really helped me, even though they didn't know that they helped me. And um, I ended up coming out to uh, a fellow gay teacher. He was the first person I came out to. And so I'm really thankful for him as well. Okay, Sally. And um, again, very new to coming out. I had question. I was in a lot of questioning for a lot of years. Being very feminine, very feminine, and um being interested in women, having the attraction to women was a big part of me, but I just squashed it down and hit it inside. And I, I married two men and divorced two men. I realize now that uh, a lot of my story of finding men that were really wrong for me had more to do with not really being interested in them in the first place. And not understanding, again, that femininity had nothing to do with my sexual orientation. They were not related at all. I played with dolls. I was very, very, I loved dresses. I, I wore, you couldn't get me out of a dress. I wore dresses up until probably around 10 years old. And I started to wear pants because it was more convenient sometimes. I was tired of skin knees, but um, from playing on a blacktop. But still, I just was very, very feminine. And uh, I, when I coming out now, I have a lot of people say, "Well, you don't look like a lesbian. You don't seem like a lesbian." I'm like, "Sorry, I don't mean to bust your stereotypes, but here I am." And and I've gotten a very positive reaction to my coming out to my family, to my children, to my mom. To everybody around me, I've been very fortunate in that. I'm working up to coming out in a bigger way online, and I know I will lose friends that way, but they couldn't have been much of a friend if they only accepted me while I fit the norm. So goodbye. I'm sorry that I don't fit the norm. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry at all. We should not be uh, apologizing for our orientation or our, our story. 
my story is mine and there's going to be, there's going to be a woman in my, in my life eventually. And the two of us will be total Queens together. And however she winds up being or presenting non-binary or butch or however she winds up being, or they be, I will be very, very happy to welcome them into my life and to celebrate them every day. This is Julie. That was speaking. Yeah. Uh, mine was realizing everyone I hung out with in high school was queer in some, some version. And me being like, no, I'm straight. And it being like, no, I, don't, I really don't think <laughs> I wouldn't be hanging out with all these people if I were. And lo and behold, yeah, I also did not attend my 10 year reunion which was last year i talked to like maybe two people still and neither of them were going so why would i go but yeah it's uh for me it was feeling more comfortable in college talking about it with friends and then just still trying to explore how i was feeling bisexual and then like a couple of years ago i was talking about so I, I i have two younger brothers and i have one who's uh a little closer with who's uh, seven years younger than me and we were just talking about stuff and then he was just like hey you're bisexual right and I was like yeah and he was just like yeah I think I am too and I was like oh <laughs> and so it was sort of like oh you know what I need to be a little more vocal about this because I wasn't I wasn't aware that I had other people in my family that were feeling this way and it was like all right um and yeah so it's just been like either drawing comics about it or talking about it with people more and it's yeah it's, it's still a thing where I feel strange being vocal about it but I shouldn't it's like I just, I just know that, it, that, it, that it, it was fine but it's a lot of uh forcing myself to talk about it and you know I made a comic for my visibility day and it was the first time I was like really explicit about it and it felt really good doing that <laughs> so uh, I'm hoping to just do more of those sort of things. And I, it's harder for me to be like verbal about it. So that's why it felt really nice to do it through a comic where I'm just sort of like, I just put it out there. People look at it and they just get it. And I'm hoping to do another one like that probably for non-binary visibility day. I don't know when these days happen. They just sort of happen. And then I'm like, oh, I should make a thing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's me just sort of slowly feeling my way out. I guess, through art or just by, by chance. This is Michelle. If I didn't say this earlier for the for listeners. My pronouns are they, them, or she, her. Um, I'm non-binary trans femme. I really appreciate that where the conversation's gone, the last, the last few people before me. Um, my experience is the same. I'm 51. I have yet to attend a high school reunion. There wasn't anybody in my own class I was close to. By the time we graduated, you know, the bullies had stopped bullying. We had all matured past that stage. Granted, there are people who have never matured past that stage, but at least the ones in my, you know, the ones I know. But I wasn't close to anybody. You know, the, the, the best friends I had went to our competing high school. I found out when I was about, I don't know, I guess about 20 years out of high school that I was listed as one of the lost classmates. And that didn't disturb me at all. I kind of liked the idea, frankly. I didn't care if they ever found me. Since then, I've gotten in touch with a handful of them on Facebook. I, I, I don't have anything to prove to them. I don't have anything to show off. 
I don't really care what their car or boat or newest spouse looks like. I have a life that's totally separate from that today, and I'm really happy with it. Awesome. Thank you so much for everyone sharing a little bit about their their journey. Yeah, we don't have anything to prove to anyone. And I think a common thread that um, a lot of us had was our lack of interest in seeing people in high school. And I think a lot of people who I'm still friends with were like, oh, I just, I'm curious to see what happened to so-and-so. And for me, I'm just like, you know, it's possible to connect with someone years after, but it's very rare. And so for me, it's like, eh, that's just not really, just not really something I want to spend my time on. Like that's a few hours I'm not going to get back. So I think we're all completely valid. For our next question, how do you feel like your identity? We've talked about our identities a bit. How do you feel like the rest of your identity as a whole within the queer community intersects with the rest of your identity? And furthermore, what do you think coming out will look like in the future? Will there be a need to come out? Or do you think that this is an important enough holiday to where we'll need it for the next generation and the generations after that? It's weird. I, I, uh, in addition to being queer, of course, that's not my entire identity. I'm a computer programmer. Um, you'd be surprised how many tra- uh, trans feminine computer programmers there are. It's not uncommon at all. Um, as much as being trans is not common. Uh, half a percent in the U.S. roughly. Um, yeah, but I'm also, I'm a sober alcoholic. There's a huge intersection there. I don't even know how many members of the queer community I know who are also members of the sober community. Um, and although the, the trans population is nowhere near as large, I know at least a few dozen trans people who, who are also sober. I'm, I'm a full-time student at, student at Antioch University, Los Angeles. That's another part of my identity is being a full-time student. We talk about the concept of inter- intersectionality is not just that I am this and I'm also this. You know, it's that I am at the intersection. I am at the bridge between those two things. It's this beautiful thing where I get to be part of multiple communities and get to be part of the community that is at the join of them. I didn't anticipate that before I came out. I had no idea that was going to happen. And I've loved it. I've absolutely loved it. I've also found that I've gotten to be I forget who was talking about it a second. I think it was Julie was talking about it a second ago, finding finding out that that we're an example to other people um, uh, who are just just starting to look at coming out. Um, since I came out, um, um, I came out completely uh, June 2nd of last year. Uh, and around that same time, a second cousin of mine in New Jersey came out to her parents. Uh, she's also trans feminine and then came out to the world earlier this summer. She wanted to wait until she graduated high school first because high school sucks and it's hard enough without coming out. Last week, um, one of my first cousins, my cousin Ronnie up in San Francisco, she's been out for 15 or 20 years as lesbian. She just came out as non-binary. I didn't know that I was going to be this example to other family members. Oh, and my baby brother, too. He's also trans. He came out after me. I didn't know that I was going to get to be all these things, to, to be this, this, this person that our people looked up to. But it makes sense because I needed those people in my life. I couldn't have come out if other people hadn't been there first. Yeah, thank you, Michelle, for sharing that. I like totally resonate with like un- the unknowingly influence we have onto our community, right? And so I remember, you know, being one of the few people out during my Catholic school, you know, population, it's like 200 people in, in the entire school. Imagine that, you know, if 
really small. There was, you know, after high school, after middle school, people started, you know, coming out. They started coming out trans, queer, all this stuff, all all of the letters. <laughs> and I was like, you know, at, at first I was a little jealous because like, oh, you, you skipped, y'all skipped the torment. You saw <laughs> your bystanders. <laughs> Um, to, to at least like what I went through and then afterwards I was just like you know what like I'm glad I'm glad they're able to feel safe enough to come out for me you know being a fat non-binary trans person you know child of an immigrant first generation I feel like I have a lot of intersectionalities that I you know touch on with my identity and I think it's wonderful that like since starting my art business I found the fat community like the fat lgbt community that like love my work support my work you know we we become real good friends on internet and then met each other in person and stuff and so that's been like such a liberating process for me coming out as trans and transmasculine and also like just accepting my body too like i i don't have any surgeries i haven't had any uh you know chest surgery, anything else, but I've come to, when coming out as trans, I've learned to transform the names on my body parts. So like my chest is like an extra fat roll <laughs> on my body. You know, like I, I give my body parts, uh, you know, various names and that has been liberating for me. And I think, you know, being able to coexist with other you know, fat people are talking about like what it really like to grow up queer. I think it's, I think most of the time there's always the stigma with fat people of like, oh, like you're only, you know, part of the LGBT, LGBT community because you're undesirable. When it's really like, no, we just don't like, we don't like men. And <laughs> so like the future for me, I see the future as like disabled, indigenous, black, everybody you know, just existing as they are, trans, however, however what way, you know, you want to exist, I think that that's going to be our future. I'm so excited about the youth now. You know, when I work with my youth, I, I tell them straight up, like, I'm trans. These are my pronouns, they, them, he, him. You know, I, you can call me sweet potato if sin is too hard. And they get it, you know, and, and it's been transforming for me because I see the way gender roles are played out in classrooms. Like oftentimes male participants will feel more kind of guarded with female teachers or feminine presenting teachers. And so me kind of being that gray area for them really helps them become more vulnerable and be like, oh, actually this person just sees me as a person. They don't really act, they're not asking you to, to act like a boy. They're not asking you to act like a girl or act within the binary. They just want me to do art. And I think that's just, in the most liberating process, you know, and I really hope that continues in our future. You know, I think with the question, will there be a need to come out? Like, I just really hope the future is that if someone tells us who they are, sweet, cool. Like, you you a sweet potato? Great. I like yams. Like, you know, I, I, I really hope that in the future we kind of get past these binary way of thinking where, you know, if it's outside of my own identity. I don't want to accept that. And that's not okay. And so I, at least I try to do my part in teaching the youth to accept all beings, you know, starting with me as their teacher. Um, but it, it just takes that one person, right? 
to make that difference. And then that way they can <laughs> teach someone else that they know. And then that kind of teaching moves forward. And that's always been the case in history with oral tradition. And so I, I just think like a little bit of talk or a tradition, like you, you could just make magic for the future generations. I think that Sam just touched on a subject that it's interesting, which is the, the concept of the undesirable. That's, um, it happens everywhere, and 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 it's funny because it shows how empty the person that actually is saying that is. Because we are worth a lot more than somebody who actually you know comes to you and say that we're like ten thousand more as a person than they are, and that is unfortunate. And that that happens. I mean, it does. And that's when you realize that, you know, going back to what Whitney asked, what was, you know, how the, your identity plays with everything. It's like your identity is who you are. And it's, it has nothing to do with your character as a person, as a human. If you're not a good human, it, you're not going to be a good human. Whether you're gay, whether you're trans, whether you're, you know, any kind of person, you're just not a good human. And then... Somebody telling me that, I just, I just laugh because I know who I am. And that is one comment that will never get to me. They, they can try as much as they want. They, they can't get to me on that one. But I do wish that at some point we don't need a national holiday for us to just be able to celebrate who we are. Because it's so beautiful. I mean, we, look at this diverse group that we have here today. It's so amazing. And we should just be able to be this and, and, and connect with everybody and, and just be one big, you know, pool of people that understand each other and love each other. That's that's how it should be. So as much as, yes, I thought that the whole idea of having the National Coming Out Day would be nice when I came out, I also wish that the future generations won't need that. They're just going to be. Yeah, uh, since touched on a lot of stuff that I was thinking of. So being by non-binary intersects a lot with, uh, I do a lot of comics, I go to a lot of zine fest, and just finding a whole community of people there who are all sorts of different relationships with themselves, with the people, and it felt like there was just like, oh, wow, I just, I they have all these other really cool people that I can just immediately talk to, read their work, um, share my work, and then we're just constantly talking about all of these issues all the time. And I'm also Navajo and it's been trying, I've been trying to figure out like, what is my Navajo identity? Like, how do I exist as an Navajo person, as a Dine person? And is there a space for me being like a queer Navajo person? So I didn't really hear by my, my Navajo side of the family really talk about it. Um, no one was ever like openly gay or queer or anything, but I bet friends in college who were Navajo and gay and I was like hey like this exists what do we do who do we talk to is it just are we just are we the only ones um and then it was like oh and then we uh found a bunch of people on Instagram like we was like tons of like, tons of queer Navajos on Instagram <laughs> and, and then eventually last year I actually got to go to my first Danae Pride and it's a whole Pride event that's all the Navajo Nation in Window Rock, Arizona. And 
it was so like cool and transformative and there's you know like native drag shows somebody got married during the, the event uh, it was yeah it was really really wild and between going to that event and having my friends who are also Navajo and queer and then finding all these people online and now there's just more active engagement with the other indigenous queer people and just talking about the way that colonialism has basically kind of erased um, these other identities that were pre-existing to prior to like Western colonization and sort of just try to figure out, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard because it's like you have older Navajo people who, you know, they're very Catholic, they're very Christian and they're or Mormon and they're just not about it. Um, but now you have the grandchildren that are like, yeah, no, like, like I'm not, we're not that anymore. So it's, it's a really weird thing where you have these older sort of generations say it's tradition, but we know that it's not tradition. We know that this was just some other, this was outside influence and we need to be able to uh, identify that and go back to, I go back to, but like re-identify the way that we were existing before all of this, all of this stuff happened to us. So yeah, it's been really crazy, and I'm still learning a lot. And there's still, and you know, there's there's two spiritness, but I don't identify with that because that's literally from a different tribe. <laughs> uh, there are people who totally identify with two spirit. I don't personally do it because that's not a thing within that culture. So it's a, it's learning what specifically does exist within my culture and how to identify with it or not identify with it. And yeah, it's just a whole learning process. We're all we're all trying to figure it out while also constantly telling uh, white people that no, I'm, I'm not actually two spirit. That's a different thing. But uh, yeah, it's really it's really interesting, and I'm glad to be more of a part of it and be able to talk about it with other people and then and with my friends. Allie again, and uh, yes. Uh... I do believe that my queerness is part of my identity. I don't think you can splinter parts of your identity. I think that's been a big part of uh, why I felt so trapped before I came out, why I felt so, so confined before I came out and how, when I did come out, it, it felt so freeing. It felt so liberating that I was no longer being forced to, and, it, and nobody was really forcing me. I was probably forcing myself more than anybody, but to be heterosexual and to be that identity, that part portion of my identity, I wasn't able to be completely myself in all the facets of Ali until I could come to terms with my own um, sexual orientation. I was hiding a lot of myself behind that closet door not just, and people knew I was into yoga. People knew I liked to travel. People knew I liked to hike. But the people that have known me before I've come out of the closet didn't know all of me. I kept so much of myself back because, oh, but if, if they see that, I, that I'm like this, then they might guess that I'm gay. They might guess that I'm queer if I do this. They might not have... Um, any of the billions of things that I did wasn't necessarily queer, but I was afraid to, to be pinned on that. And now that I'm not afraid of that anymore because I am that I'm okay with that. I'm okay with anybody finding that out. It's no longer 
uh, fear. I can just be myself wherever I am with all the facets of me instead of just, instead of having to hide this one part. And if they see that I like this and they might guess I'm gay, they see that I, that I look this direction. They might see that I'm gay. No, I don't have to worry about that. I am gay. And if they figure it out when I look that direction, so what? I look that direction. I'm good. (laughs) I was going to do that. That's fine. Um, So far as the future generations coming out, um, I hope that it becomes more of a festival, more of like some kind of a day on the calendar rather than something that somebody has to wait for October 11th or feels that, that, that that's some kind of a thing. In my process currently, I've been in some coming out groups, um, support groups and things. So I marked this on my calendar as a way of saying to myself, from this day forward, I will not hide that there won't be an excuse for me to look, to be afraid to look one way or another or to be one way or another, or for anybody to find some kind of information out about me. I don't have to live in fear of anything anymore. All of the fear that I, I held in because I was pretending to be something I wasn't is no longer valid. Only me, only Allie is valid. Only all that I am is valid. And if someone is going to try and put me in some kind of a box, I'm not a box. I'm not, I don't belong in a box. Um, I'm a fully formed human being and someone who's straight should have to come out for all that they are. Um, I know that they're holding some weird weirdness back and they need to let that stuff out too. We all have weirdness about us. And I've seen that a lot in quarantine. There have been people posting videos of themselves doing the strangest things. And amen to that. Go do those strange things. Be your your fun, weird self, whether you're straight, gay, bi, whatever you are, do that. Be that. And let everybody see that. We're all a little weird somehow. And the gay part of me, not so weird. Pretty typical, actually. The other stuff... Wearing a crown right now in this interview because a crown is just awesome. It's fun to wear. And it's a little weird, but that's not what makes me gay. Liking women is what makes me gay. I really uh, I really appreciate this conversation. What, what all the other people have been saying about the hopes for the future, I don't have children. If I did personally, and I would hope this for, for everybody, that, you know that you know their kid comes home and says you know this you know, you know the girl this is my girlfriend the boy this is my boyfriend have fun treat each other safely uh, you know and that's the only response uh, you know there's no shock there's no you know I thought you were straight there's, there's no microaggression it's just take care of each other love each other uh, you know, what else are we here for. I hope I hope in the not too distant future a world without that kind of where there is no gay panic defense, whether it's legal or not. But nobody even thinks about that because it's just not a big deal. But at the same time, we take the opportunity to recognize and honor what everybody who did have to come out through went through. And the people who came before us recognize the courage that it took to just to be ourselves, but to not ever have to put anybody else through that kind of hell again. We get to be who we are, period. Definitely. I feel like with um, 
with my queer identity intersecting with the rest of my identity. It's like, I think about what kind of spaces I take up. It's like, I'm multiracial. I'm Japanese American. I'm somebody's partner. I'm an artist. I'm a cat parent. I'm a professional most of the time. Like I, um, I think about all these different identities that I take in and it's like, I can't help but have my queerness and the lessons that being queer has taught me to affect the rest of my identities where I feel like with being queer, the way society is right now, there's still a, it's more common, but there's still a kind of stigma in certain parts of the country. And also we don't need to go into like our current political situation. It's just, there's a lot going on right now. And so for me, it's like being queer has taught me empathy. It's taught me to accept others for being different, to not only accept them, but celebrate them. It's um, made me more curious to be unafraid of people who are different from me. Growing up in a place where um, I was kind of sheltered and being taught to be afraid of a lot of stuff, like it really forced me to get out there and really meet a bunch of people. And for that, I'm really thankful. And so I think it's taught me being queer and being part of the community. I've met some amazing friends. I've met some amazing artists. And I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything. And I, I honor all of that. I honor past generations who have paved the way for us, including people of color who they took over, they took in the intersections of being queer and a person of color, which is so much. And um, they did it so I can do it as well. And so my hope is that I'm by creating and by doing the podcast and by doing all these things, like we can create resources as well. As for what I hope coming up looks like in the future, I really hope that in the near future, none of us have to do the dramatic thing where we sit down our parents. And I know not everyone did that, but I did that with my mom. And and it was hard. Um, it was hard. And so it was very much like, oh, man, I really hope no one has to do this. It's just so, it's so soap opera, you know, like, and it shouldn't be that way. It should just kind of be like, oh, this is my partner. Like, this is who I am. And that's the way it is. And nobody cares. I hope that we continue fighting for celebration. And that's my hope for the future. Great. That concludes our very special episode for National Coming Out Day. For all our five guests, we just want to say a huge thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. We are beyond grateful. And it was so wonderful hearing such diverse stories experiences and truly grateful thank you if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating or review see you next time <laughs>